Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set the bar in the world of podcasts. My name is Jody Jenkins. And I'm Tony Clement. And you have a, not a fresh new computer, but a (laughs) uh, reworked one. You had some issues with your laptop, is that correct? Yes, the hardware was fine, but the operating system was fried. So I had a lot of time. Uh, with Apple Care, and then at the Apple Store twice, and uh, it's all back now. So, thank goodness. Uh, I think it's actually better than ever. So, I, I don't think that operating system worked very well the last time. Well, some may say, Tony, was it the operating system or was it the operator? <laughs> operator, maybe a little bit of that. But the <laughs> the guys at Apple and gals, they were very good to me. So, I'm I'm happy now. Excellent. Is Apple? Like, are those stores busy these days? Remember when they were, like, packed oh, all the time? Is it, it still like that? It, it's packed. I, w- I went to the store at Mississauga Square One, and uh, it, it, you have to get an appointment. Like, if you just show up, you actually have to book an appointment outside the store to get into the store. Interesting. That's how packed it was. And, in fact, the, the, the mall, I was there on the Saturday and the Sunday on the Saturday, it was like, uh, you know, Boxing Day or, or whatever. It was it was Black Friday. It was so packed with people. I guess there's nothing else to do. So people are wandering around the mall, you know, looking for bargains. Yeah, that's true. There's uh, not a lot going on these days. And I'm sure we'll get into that in this episode. Just a reminder that uh, each week our show is proudly brought to you by the team at Municipal Solutions. You can find them online at Municipal Solutions. .ca. And Tony, I know you'll share a little bit more about that crew and also some of our other amazing partners as well. Yeah, I just want to uh, uh, give a shout out to John Mutton and Martin and the rest of the crew at Municipal Solutions. They're working very hard for their clients. So they are into development services and project management, which means if you need a development approved or a permit expedited, uh, or planning services with municipalities. They do a lot of work with municipalities and with the province for that matter. Uh, or uh, if you need engineering services or architectural services or a minor variance or land severances, or if you need a building permit, you go to municipalsolutions.ca. And then our friend Stephen J. Sparling is still a sponsor with us. We're very happy about that as well. He is a municipal lobbyist uh, representing development industry clients in the GTA West, Etobicoke, Mississauga, and Oakville. You can find Stephen and his crew at haltongr.com. And don't forget exclusive content only at looneypolitics.com, one of the best news aggregators out there. Robert and the team do an amazing job, and we are proud to provide shows that you cannot hear anywhere else unless you're a subscriber. And of course, use the code podcast to get 50% off an annual subscription only at looneypolitics.com. Now, we have a guest who was on here a long time ago, like almost when we started the show, I got I got to believe. He was a uh, one of the early guests, is that correct? Yeah, it would have been spring, eh? Spring, spring of 2020. Oh, like when the pandemic started pretty much. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Yeah, so we are excited to welcome back to the show. He has a long list to get through to introduce him. So he is a past MP for Hastings, Lennox, and Addington, riding in Ontario. He ran for the federal conservative leadership. He was a candidate 
in the last federal election in Banff, Airdrie running against, uh, I think he's still the whip, maybe, maybe not, Blake Richards. And he is currently the leader of the Ontario Party, which is not a new party, I don't think. I think it's been around, but it's kind of being resurrected. It, it was in existence before. Uh, we're proud to welcome the leader of the Ontario Party, Mr. Derek Sloan. Derek, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for that uh, very interesting intro. And of course, you're you're a lawyer. I mean, like in most politicians, uh, what else can we, what else can we, what don't we know about Derek Sloan? We'll start off like that. Well, we haven't played golf together yet, Jody. So that's, uh, no, we haven't had that to the list. And full disclosure, I met Derek a couple years ago. Actually, our kids went to the same school. Um, so we kind of connected there. I think it was like, I mean, you were relatively, I don't want to say, were you new? Like, how new to the community were you at that point, or were you just new to this that school? Well, we were. So we moved here in 2017. I'm trying to remember when. So, so Fiona's the same age as uh, your daughter. Uh, yeah. So whatever, whatever grade. Uh, so whenever kindergarten was, I forget what year that was off the top of my head. That's probably when we would have met. Okay, and. You know what? Let's let's park there for a second because your I think your story is interesting right from the beginning because so you're in Hastings, Lennox, and Addington, which is a you know a rural riding in eastern Ontario. Uh, federally, uh, on the political spectrum, it was held for a long time by Daryl Cramp. So it's like a conservative area, definitely right on the political spectrum. And at that time, I can remember this because you were we were at a barbecue thing at the school. And you were exploring the idea of running for the nomination because uh, there was an opportunity to run uh, in that next election and, and represent the, the federal conservatives. And there was some pretty big names locally that were on that nomination ballot, like some people with some really um, big skill sets and, you know, some name recognition, which is always key and some lots of experience, uh, municipal uh, provincial federal level. And you were kind of like, uh, you know, a dark horse, an underdog. But, you know, one thing that was consistent out of that nomination that I, I wasn't there, but I, I the, the main theme that I heard from everybody was that you gave one heck of a nomination speech. I'm, I'm just curious, could you talk a little bit about what that experience was like um, when you became the candidate? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking that. Um, so oddly enough, of, of all the things that I've done, you know, since then, that particular nomination, uh, you know, which in, in the course of a life or a career is, is you know, arguably something small. Um, that was sort of the most uh, kind of emotional day for me in politics, you know, compared to, you know, being on, you know, national TV or, or leadership debates or traveling the country or, or, or any of the, you know, being in the House of Commons, as great as some of those things were, uh, you know, that was up until that moment, I had no idea whether you know, I was being called to politics, you know, I, I sensed that I was, but it, it became real that day. And the, uh, the, the sequence of events was actually, uh, you know, f remarkable. I mean, for me and, and others agreed, but the, I, I had moved into the area uh, sort of just at, at the time that this, this nomination was going, uh, as you've said, I was going up against other people who had been in, you know, politics, uh, you know, one lady had been in politics for 14 years. 
Uh, one candidate had a road named after them, uh, you know, their family farm from generations ago. So there were some, you know, people there that with more resources and money um, and people, you know, outsold me in memberships and all this kind of thing. And I gave, uh, I gave, a, I gave a very good speech, uh, you know, spoke from the heart uh, instead of speaking about kind of, you know, how great I was or, or, you know, my accomplishments, I spoke about my vision for the country. That speech is actually still available. You can watch it on my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, it's, it's, you know, similar to things I've, I've been saying ever since. But, um, you know, these other candidates herded in kind of the, uh, the red-blooded uh, conservatives into that room. And, uh, and, you know, as they were drawing names to see who would speak, you know, I shot up a little prayer saying, you know, God, help me to go last. You know, I, I want to be able to just stump this thing. And lo and behold, I was drawn to go last. And uh, I, I really delivered on that speech. And I think it really, uh, uh, you know, showed a contrast with some of the other candidates and, uh, you know, showed, showed my genuine concern for the country. Uh, and, uh, and people uh, who came, uh, you know, because of other people ended up voting for me. I almost won on the first ballot, which, as you know, is unusual when you have, uh, you know, four candidates running. And it was a very uh, decisive victory. So it was, uh, you know, for me, a very emotional time. I, I think I, I, I barely even spent $1,000 on the, on the nine-month nomination. And uh, we were certainly an underdog uh, candidacy. And, and it really, uh, again, I look back at that time with, uh, uh, you know, great fondness. Tony, I'd love for you to weigh in here because I, I won a nomination. Obviously, Tony has been through a lot of them as well. Obviously, has the more experience. But for me, too, I like I feel like I poured more into that nomination when I won than the actual election. Like, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah, I, I agree. It does um, because you're, it's kind of like an internal family fight, right? Like, it, it's it, you, you have a team perhaps behind you, but you don't have the whole team uh, of your party or of the local organization. So yeah, it can be a bit emotional. There's no question about it. It looks like, uh, Jerry, looks like uh, Rick Nichols is joining us too. Yes. Uh, MPP Rick Nichols. Uh, I know we were trying to get him on the show and there was some issues, but it looks like he's got them figured out. Rick, thanks for joining us on the program. Well, he's it's it says he's there. He's, we'll, he's there. We swear our team to keep working on it. <laughs> we'll get you know, our, te- our tech back office working on it. Oh, he's gone now. <laughs> gone now again, but we'll, we'll get our tech team working on it. But we are hopeful because Rick is actually uh, we're going to obviously we'll get into the Ontario party, sh- party shortly. But Rick is actually uh, a member of the Ontario party, I believe. Or Derek can explain that because uh, there's a little bit of a, a backstory there. But uh Tony, did you want to jump in here? I yeah, got a little I distracted now that Rick. Yeah, no, I, I do want to talk about the Ontario Party, and uh, maybe Derek, you can give us a, a a sense of why you are there, why you're doing this, why why is it important? And I, I did get your brochure somehow. I'm on your mailing list. I'm not quite sure how, but I am. Uh, and uh, uh, I certainly I, I do want to understand why it's important to have your leadership in this party right now at this time? Well, that's a really good question. Um, so, you know, initially, uh, post the election in, in September, um, I was not, uh, I was not intending on uh, running provincially. Um, I was intending on uh, endorsing somebody else. You know, there's several different options that were percolating. And I, and I thought that I would, you know, just 
endorse somebody and kind of move on with other, you know, other federal objectives. Um, it became clear to me after uh, sort of being uh, spoken to by various uh, sort of, uh, you know, stakeholders and, and uh, organizers and so on, that there was a lot of uh, division on the ground uh, with sort of an alternative party to, you know, the mainstream parties. And uh, a lot of people that I've sort of done things with before uh, and others uh, really wanted to get uh, a solid option, uh, you know, uh, uh, in terms of having a party that's ready to go and uh, and to make sure that that was in place um, leading into this election. And so I was convinced of that over, uh, it took them a couple of months to kind of really uh, get me involved. Uh, but uh I do, I do believe actually that's the case in terms of the the, the uh, situation on the ground right now, and uh, we hope to uh, we've we've of course uh, uh, very happy to see Rick uh, decide to uh, become a member of this party. Um, I won't speak any more on Rick's behalf, but uh, it's great to see him, and we hope to uh, you know reach out more uh, and uh, and be the sort of gathering point for uh, uh, an alternative to the the mainstream parties. So uh, let me get this off my chest right right from the get-go. So one of the things that you're obviously uh, quite critical of the Ford government on is the uh, the lockdowns, the vaccine mandates, uh, the whole issue of how COVID was handled. And, and uh, so I want you to talk a little bit about that. And I also would like to know, like, let me just say this. I, I, uh, when, when COVID first hit, uh, I was I signed on to the idea that we had to shut things down for a period of time to protect people, and then when the vaccines were were manufactured, I thought that that was uh, another way to protect people. Uh, now we're into year three, and uh, I'm now wondering when this is ever going to end. So I, I I guess my point to you is. I'm not sure why you would be critical of Doug Ford, say, in March 2020 or even uh, March 2021, but we're now in January, February of 2022. And I, I think you've got a, a, a point to make, which is being made by a lot of people. And even Doug Ford, in uh, when he's doing press conferences, is, is saying, look, I want to get out of this too. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I want to I open up as quickly as possible. So I guess... I'm just wondering what your value proposition is on that issue, since everybody is kind of moving your way anyway. Well, so all of that's true, but uh, you know, I think we need to have a, a credible option that's champion, championing, uh, you know, those those views, uh, because nobody, uh, you know, anybody who you know believes what you just said, I don't think any of them trust Doug Ford and his team uh, to get us out of this. And frankly, uh, you know, the the uh, the critiques that are there and there's many legitimate ones, um, you know, people like myself have been early and consistent on that. And, you know, there are some people coming out of the woodwork now. Uh, Aaron O'Toole wrote, a, a, you know, an editorial there a week or two ago. Uh, but no, you know, people who are who are saying these things now, I don't think have the credibility of those that have been saying them, uh, you know, for quite some time. Hey, yeah, Derek, so- I want to jump in. I want to jump in right now because this leads to what I'm going to say. And Tony, you can follow up because I think yeah. I might have shared this with you earlier, Tony. But you make a good point, Derek. And I read a tweet this morning. And I'm going to read the tweet right now. I won't tell you who it's from. But the tweet was, COVID has become 
a never-ending excuse for power-hungry authorities to replace our freedom with their control. Enough. Reopen our businesses, let our truckers drive, and restore freedom for all. That sounds like a tweet that you might have put out like a year, year and a half ago, and you would have been flamed all over the place. And that tweet is from current MP Pierre Polyev. The message has shifted. The message has shifted. But again, it's like, Tony, like you have been saying this all along, but what, what, you, you know, you say that people that are saying it now don't have any credibility. When you see like Pierre Polyev saying that, what, what does that make you feel? Do you feel vindicated at all? Do you feel like those guys are just trying to ride my coattails? What do you feel? Well, personally, I think Pierre has believed that for quite some time. Um, and, uh, and, and, but now the, the climate is such that he's able to say it. Um, you know, listen, I, I think, I, I think it's always best, it, you know, and Tony, you can tell me your opinion, but frankly, I think it's always best in politics to be early. And the strategy in this day and age is, uh, to not be early ever and to, you know, try and shift, uh, very quickly with whatever way the wind is blowing. But I think you have to be early. I think you have to take heat. And I think it pays it, you know, you, you get paid back dividends for that later. But unfortunately, yeah, no, I, I, I go ahead, Tony. Sorry, go ahead, Derek. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say, I, I, I think that that's, that's a good point, but it, it is, as Jody said, a, sh- a shifting situation because uh, we're now at the stage where uh, Omicron is here. The evidence is in that it's uh, for most people it is uh, less deadly and uh, less of an issue, uh, but you know, we have these forces in our society that seem to want to keep things locked down. I wouldn't say forever, but they they, they never have a date for not being locked down. I guess is the way I'd put it. So I think you're you're hitting uh, you're hitting a sweet spot for more people now than it was say one year ago or two years ago, where there was still a lot of fear. Uh, you know, Delta was a lot more deadly than Omicron was, and so on. Uh, but I think I guess what I'm saying, Derek, and and you're free to agree or disagree. Everybody is sort of jumping to where maybe you were two years ago, but that's where that's where everybody is now. We want to get over with the lockdowns and get on with our lives. I'm sure you're 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 getting that feedback too. No, I totally agree, and and uh, you you know I'm I'm seeing you know rel, you know apolitical normal people say the same thing, and I think it's uh, you know very quickly the polls will be saying that as well. Um, the problem is, is that the way that the Ford government has dealt with this disease in the past uh, is indicates that in the future uh, they will do the same. And what I mean by that is, you know, we, we know now that they've, you know, conflated, for example, systemic uh, issues in the healthcare system uh, with, you know, COVID immediacy. And so, I, you know, I, I have no there, there's no guarantee that next fall. When we have another, you know, seasonal uh, uh, respiratory season of, of, you know, whatever variant or whatever it is at that time, that we're not going to see some kind of, uh, you know, mandates, even if they're not as extreme. I think that without uh, a recognition that mistakes have been made, uh, there's no guarantee that we're not going to see more of the same and, and perhaps a lot more of the same. Uh, Jody, I think we've got Rick on the line. Hello, gentlemen. I made Rick it is here. Welcome, Rick. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about the uh, confusion. I was just having trouble uh, 
logging in, but I'm here now. So thank you. No worries. So Rick Nichols is, uh, Rick, you're an MPP for, what's your writing again? Chatham, Kent, Leamington. Okay. And you were uh, originally elected under the Ontario PC banner. And then of course, there's a, a story as to why you're no longer there. Can you, uh, can you maybe give us a Coles Notes version of, of what all happened with that situation and why you're no longer under the Ontario PC banner? Certainly. So I had done some research with regards to this uh, uh, COVID, uh, COVID injection and COVID shot. And uh, I had made the decision, the conscious decision, that I wasn't going to get it right away. I was going to wait and see because there was no data uh, with regards to long-term effects. Uh, adverse effects or even mid mid uh, adverse effects, but we were starting to see, and I was starting to see uh, a, a number of people who were experiencing, uh, in some cases, some very serious short term effects. In other words, they got it, and I was just talking with someone earlier tonight who uh, who got their second shot, and immediately, immediately, they had a just a horrendous experience, and today that was back in July, and today. Uh, they have to have a, a person come and care for them because uh, she's paralyzed, oh, and uh, and that's all because of the shot. Anyway, so I was my my story is that I had uh, chosen not to get it, and I was told there was Snoopy a Snoopy reporter around uh, Queens Park that said, "Oh, let's find out how many MPPs are double vaxxed. and uh, they came over to uh, to me and and well, when I be that would be uh, a person out of the premier's office had asked me if I was double vaxxed and I said, no, I'm not. Are you going to get double vaxxed? No, I have no intentions right now. I'm going to wait and see just what, what the reactions are, if there's any adverse effects and so on. And I told him, I said, this is my, that information is highly confidential. Uh, I don't want anybody, I don't want to see my name in black and white and oh no, no, we're just doing numbers. Well, then they do the numbers and then they whittle it down. There were three and then there were two. And then they wanted to know who, and then all of a sudden my name was showing up in black and white, and I was threatened by the uh, the current campaign manager uh, for the re-elect Doug Ford, saying you either get vaccinated or you're going to be sitting with the independents. And I tried to explain myself, and he basically said I'm not interested in that, and uh, you either get it or else you're you're going to be sitting across from us. And I made the conscious decision that I was not going to get it, and so I had a uh, a press conference on the 19th of August. And as a result of that, uh, I was true to my word and, uh, and the Ford government uh, were true to their word. I was expelled uh, for not getting the COVID injection. And uh, I don't think that's, that was right, uh, but it is what it is. I was also the government deputy speaker and they took that away from me in, uh, in October when the, when the house resumed. So that's, that's a Coles notes version. So Rick, Rick, you're, you're running again, though, right? At this point in time, um, you know what? Uh, that is still to be decided. Um, I've been working very closely with the Ontario Party and with Derek uh, to, in fact, help them get up and get going. Um, but at this point in time, to be very quite transparent with you, uh, uh, we haven't, we haven't, uh, my wife and I haven't come to that uh, decision as of yet. Okay. And Derek, where are you going to be running? Uh, that's still uh, to be de determined, but it's very likely uh, in in the area that I'm uh, uh, living in and have run in before. Okay. Yep. Jody, Rick, I wanted to ask you just quickly. 
if you can pull back the curtain, I, I don't know how much you can, but just to give us a snapshot of what it was like uh, with that situation of, you know, doing the press conference, leaving the party, what was the premier like? Did you have much interaction with him on, on this issue? Was there any like uh, understanding, like, did you get a sense at all that he was sympathetic to the cause or what, what was your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, you know what, um, Jody, the, uh, the premier, actually, I remember one time I was driving home from Queens park, uh, just on a normal day. And, uh, you know, I knew that a lot of this stuff was kind of going on. I was getting phone call after phone call from uh, caucus members, you know, saying, Rick, look, we don't want to lose you. You know, you're very well liked. Uh, we really appreciate everything that you're doing and have done. And we don't want to lose you. So please just get the just get the COVID jab. And I would say to them, OK, that's that's problematic. And then my phone rang on my way coming home. And it was the premier. And, uh, and he said, Rick, look, uh, I just need you to look, please just just do me a favor. Do me a favor. I need you to get get the COVID jab. And, and I said, Premier, I said, with all due respect, I said, you know what? Uh, I I have serious concerns about it. Uh, I, I don't want to inject anything into my body uh, until I know for sure it's going to be safe. And in my opinion, it's not safe. And uh, and so, you know, at, at this point, it's I'm not going to do it. So then he had his heavyweight guy, uh, Corey Tonight. Uh, call me up and get very obnoxious with me and tried to bully. And of course, we all know the best way to handle bully is bully back. And I did. And uh, just basically, uh, and, and he said, well, doesn't matter. I don't care. 72 hours or you're gone. And the rest is history. So, you know, the, the, the pre and I, and you know, the interesting thing is even after I was removed, I still stayed in contact with the premier and I would send him some notes. And one of the things I would send him notes on is, is about the Vax Pass and, and said to him, Premier, I really think that, you know, you're making a mistake. And I said to him, I said, you know what? We as a government had passed a bill, uh, the Elections Ontario bill, where not only were we doubling the amount of money that people could donate to a political party or to a, a writing association, but in that there was also uh, a portion of that which basically said that uh, third-party advertising could not occur a year out from the from the election, and basically that was put in place to handcuff a lot of the unions that were in fact uh, going after the PC government. And I was in I was part of government at the time, and so you know like let's because they try to be very very influential and they throw a ton of money at it. So I had su suggested to the premier at the time I said, look, you know, because we have that in. I think that the third parties feel that we have, in fact, handcuffed them. So they're going to find another way to get back at us. Well, how are they going to get back at us? I suggested to him, I said, you know, I don't believe that everybody on that science table bleeds blue. He goes, I agree with you. I said, well, then we need to be discerning as to the information that we get from these people and who the key influencers are. And a lot of these key influencers, there are a few doctors, MDs, but a lot of them are PhDs who have never seen a, a, a client in their life. And I question you know, the uh, whether or not some of these other MDs have actually uh, taken care of a COVID patient before. And having said that, I said, the advice that they're giving you, Premier, is, you know, lockdown, open up, lockdown, open up. They did that three times. And now where are we at right now? And now we've got the Vax Pass and now we've got two tier society. 
I had suggested to him, I said, you know, that's how they're going to get to us. They're going to get people so upset because of lockdown after lockdown that there's no way that the PC party is going to be uh, reelected in uh, 2022. And he, he said, well, you know, I, I said, so you have to exercise some discernment. And I mean, I can only say what I can say. I was very open with him. I was transparent with him. Um, but unfortunately, uh, we know where we're at right now. And so I question whether or not he actually, uh, you know, listened to the right people. Derek, uh, I wanted to ask you about the Ontario party and candidates. I, I'm, you know, I'm going to be blunt. There's a lot of times fringe parties are referred to as, a, you know, you know, crackpots, um, crazies, uh, things like that. I guess twofold in the question, do you plan on running a full slate of candidates and how do you, how are you going to be vetting people? How do you avoid being seen as a, you know, a party of crackpots? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, so we, we intend to run as many candidates as we can. We're right now uh, going through the process of, of sifting through applications. We have an application process that's on our website, OntarioParty.ca. Um, you know, so far we're getting very high caliber people that are, uh, you know, uh, reaching out to us. We we hope to get, uh, you know, several health professionals as well. Both Rick and I are well integrated into uh, communities of doctors and nurses that are, uh, you know, against the way that the Ford government has handled this. They're they're in favor of, you know, alternative protocols that have proved successful in other countries and are, are, and are even being used here more clandestinely. Um, so these are the types of candidates we hope to have. Um, and we've been attracting uh, those types. So, you know, every political party obviously has, uh, you know, issues finding uh, quality candidates, but I don't think that's going to be a problem for us. Tony, does every political party have a crackpot in their party? Yes. <laughs> you, you name some of your name some of your favorite crackpots. Tony. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> um, Derek, uh, one last question for you and or Rick. Uh, we've got this big trucker protest uh, brewing, don't we? Uh, tell us your thoughts on that. Rick, you want to take this or? Sure. Yeah, of course. Well, you know what? Uh, one of the things that I did, and I did it not once, but I did it twice. I sent uh, I sent a letter to uh, Premier Ford and I said, Premier, you need to pick up the phone. You need to call call your friends, uh, Christopher Freeland and uh, Justin Trudeau, and tell them to uh, keep the vaccine exemption in place for our truckers so that we can have goods uh, moving back and forth across the border both ways. And uh, and unfortunately, he didn't get back to me. Uh, he just ignored it. And then all of a sudden, I hear the federal government saying, oh, you yeah, guess what? We, we, we've decided we're going to lift it. And of course, I was then, you know, I sent a letter to the uh, premier saying, well, you know, thank you, premier. I don't know what basically what you've done, but uh, thank you very much. You know, this is good news for our trucking industry and for all of uh, Ontario and, of course, all of Canada. And of course, the next day, less than 24 hours later, oh, that was a mistake. That should never have got out. And I think that was done on purpose. Uh, Tony, you probably, uh, uh, with your years of experience serving as an MP, you know, the, for the Conservatives, you've probably seen that those kind of those kind of documents leak out and then rescinded or brought back in again. Yeah, and so uh, is your take that this is going to be a, a big thing? Uh, that this is going to like they're saying that the 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 there are seventy miles of trucks uh, bearing down on Ottawa right now. There, are, there are, 
And uh, uh, to me, I just want to know when they're going to be doing that. I mean, I support them. I'll support them. I, I'm not going to be in Ottawa. Uh, that's to, to be very clear on that. Uh, they, they don't need me there. I'm just another body that will just kind of get in the way. But I can do, I'll support the way I can support locally uh, as well as, you know, representing the Ontario Party as well. Uh, because we need to get uh, we need to get those that you know that this uh, exemption put back in place for our truckers, and of course one of the things that they're doing is is putting pressure on on the prime minister, and hopefully he listens and hears. But uh, I I don't know you know uh, I don't know how how well that's going to go, uh, but we'll, time will tell I guess. Tony, we just fact checked you. It's actually seventy kilometers of. Oh, of the I'm continent. sorry. I was I was not you in said, a metric system you said there. Seventy. You said seventy <laughs> miles, so it's seventy well, kilometers. But yeah, there's uh, apparently. I feel like it was in Manitoba today, and it's gradually making its way across the country. And as uh, I think you and I were talking off air before the show started, Tony, I like I'm assuming that as they go through different parts of the country, more and more trucks oh, yeah. are going to be joining up. So. Yeah. Ottawa could be in for like, yeah, I, I can't even imagine. Imagine being behind that on the 401. It's not <laughs> no. going to be fun. <laughs> well, I've heard, I I've heard that I, there, are, there are quite a few uh, truckers from the U.S. going to join them in solidarity. Oh, wow. So, all right, and that's guys. A, and well, that's a word that a conservative hardly uses, solidarity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tony, did you have anything else before we wrap up here? No, sir. Okay. Well, guys, we... Uh, we appreciate your time on the program. We wish you all the best uh, in the upcoming provincial election, which is in June. We wish uh, Ontario Party all the best. Just so you know, uh, we have great rates. If you want to advertise on our podcast, we are not above that. And uh, we'll, we'd be more than happy to have one of our sales team reach out to you and discuss further. So, anyway, thanks for doing this, guys. Listen, right, I, I apologize. So I was late getting on, guys. But thank you so much for, for the invite. Yeah, thanks, thanks Derek. I'd, I'd love to hear Tony do a nice spiel at the beginning of the program about how great the Ontario party is. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm afraid that might not be possible, my friend. <laughs> well, if the price is right, right, Tony? Anything? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. We can be bought. We can yeah. be bought. Just you yeah, know. <laughs> Exactly. Interesting conversation with Derek and Rick. And I, I meant to ask Rick this, but I think it's obviously assumed he would be the first sitting member of the Ontario party, technically, right? I would think so. I don't think they've ever had a representation before. Yes. How does that work? So if you're like booted out of a party or if you leave and obviously then you become an independent unless you join another party, but if you're an independent and there's an existing party that doesn't have like you, like you are automatically, so he joins the Ontario party and then t like by virtue of being part of that and being a sitting member, you are now a member of the legislature as a member of the Ontario party? Like no, it would, not be, it would not be recognized uh, formally because the party has to have a certain threshold of seats oh, to be okay. recognized. So I think it's yeah. like eight seats. So uh, recognized as a party, but yeah. would he be referred to in there as me a member of the Ontario party or no? Theoretically, no. Um, okay. uh, the, the way it worked in parliament, uh, of course, uh, Elizabeth May was always the Green Party representative, and uh, but she was not unless you unless uh, the speaker was given uh, all party consent to recognize her as the Green Party leader. She would she'd just be an independent MP. I'm going to so ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. You need to answer honestly, and if you don't, then I'm going to stop doing the podcast with you. 
Okay, so here's the question. Sure. Was there ever a time when you were even remotely close to thinking about crossing the floor or just bailing on on the party? No. No, never. Never. Nope. Never. Not even a not e- never flashed in your mind never. Not no, once. I'm I'm th- look, uh, there are different people in politics, uh, you know, and look, uh Derek, Derek Sloan uh, is quite willing to, first of all, he exited the caucus and th- that story is well known. And then he's quite willing to start a new party. Uh, I, 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 my party is the Conservative Party of Canada and the Progressive Conservative Party of on- Ontario. And, uh, you know, uh, through thick and thin, uh, I will, I will be a member of those two parties. So that's just the way I am. And and I'm not saying they're either of them are perfect or that there are, aren't times that I'm frustrated with them or frustrated with the leadership or what have you. But my first loyalty is to a political organization that's been around for decades and uh, that's not going to change. Well, it's been nice doing the podcast with you, Tony. It's uh... <laughs> Okay, I guess if that's, you know, I'll believe you. I feel I was hoping you would say, you know, there was this one time in uh, 91 when I felt like, I don't know, where where were you in 91? In 1991, I was president of the Ontario PC Party. Oh, so you weren't even elected then. Okay. No, no, I was I was a lawyer and I was president of the party, yeah. I was in grade 10. Okay, so, there you go. Not to, rub, not to rub it in, but. Yeah, um, you're, young, you're a what young about lad. In 90, what about in 98, where were you? 98, I was a member of provincial parliament, and uh, I was uh, the transportation minister. Okay. How far away did you sit from Gary Fox at the time? The Fox. Uh, Gary the Fox. <laughs> we should get Gary Fox on the show. <laughs> yeah, he'd be good. He, he'd, was, uh, he was the MPP for your area, wasn't he? Yeah, well, uh, I don't know what they called it at the time, like Prince Edward County. Buddy, we actually, you know what? I'm going to text him. I haven't talked to him in two years, so I hope he might be mad at me that I – you know, oh, you only reach out when you want to be on, want me on the show. But he would, he, his, some of his stories could probably get a lot of people in trouble. Oh yeah, Just no, saying. that's that's true, that's true. Because I've heard I, stories I, I like of Gary. him, of him, and oh, what was the other guy from the Napanee area? He was a MPP. What the heck was his Bill, name? Bill Van Conant. Yes, Bill Van Conant. Yes, Billy Van Conant. I've heard some stories. We used to call him Van Coconut. <laughs> Oh, this is good. Got to get Gary Fox on. So anyway, um, thanks. Thanks to our sponsors, John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca as well as looneypolitics.com. Don't forget, use the code podcast to get 50% off an annual subscription and exclusive content that you cannot get anywhere else. And Tony, yes, our other partners. We've also got haltongr.com. Visit them uh, for your needs in GTA West. And of course we have our merchandise available at zekeagency.com. Yeah. I always forget about pumping that stuff out there. Yeah. It's, 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 it's there. It's available. Order yours now. <laughs> Mugs and hoodies and you name it. I was going to, you know, I'm biting my tongue right now because I'm feeling feisty. It must be because it's getting later and we're recording this and I'm kind of getting half tired and half like hyped up, but I'm biting my tongue because there's another podcast that's been regarded as like the best political <laughs> podcast in the country of Canada. And I'm not going to say what the situation is, but it's such a load of bull. <laughs> I, I'm just like, I just like, like, I, you know, I, first of all, I don't think they're the best political podcast. Like I'm not, look, I'm, I, 
full disclosure, when people listen to the show, I, they might not know, but I'm usually being sarcastic or joking about like breaking records and setting the bar. Like that's whatever. But like, I like our product. I think we do a great show. I think we bring something different to this space. And I'm not saying we're the best political podcast, but I would put this show up against any political show outside of like, I don't know, some, what are some big political shows in the States? Actually, screw it. I'd put our show up against anybody, to be honest. In the New York Times Daily, maybe? I don't know. Pound for pound. We can go toe-to-toe with any show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I'm not going to name the show, but at some point I will. Yes. Smackdown. I'm just feeling feisty. Yes. We love it. Anyway, what would the peacemaker do? I know what he'd do. (laughs) Eat peace, mother. We'd get the vigilante out. Yeah, it's... uh... All right. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll do this again in seven days. (laughs) Okay.